You're listening to Vox Talk, the voiceover industry's number one podcast, brought to you by Voices.com. It's about voice acting, growing your business, and sharing your knowledge. Vox Talk is a show that you can be a part of. Getting involved is both fun and rewarding. It's time for this week's episode of Vox Talk. Hi, I'm Stephanie Cicerelli. And I'm Carmi Levy. We hope you had a wonderful Easter and Passover and have recovered from all of that great food. Well, I think I'll be back to normal in a few days, Stephanie. Just ate way too much food. Well, all right then. So back to business. Now, coming up on this week's podcast, there's big news from the world of animation as Nickelodeon announces a massive new project and a name change. In Tech Talk, we'll look at the Apple Watch. It's finally available for pre-order and it'll have more impact on the voice industry than you might have thought. And in Voxbox, we'll talk about your voice's natural comfort zone and what you need to do to make sure that you get the most out of it. But first, it's time for The Biz. The Biz, helping you grow your voiceover business. There's major change happening in the world of Nickelodeon Animation Studios. The creative force behind the Rugrats, Dora the Explorer, the Backyardigans, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is building a new headquarters in Burbank. The state-of-the-art five-story building will allow Nickelodeon to pull together its entire family under one roof. And don't we all love to, you know, have family under one roof? Now, but right now... It has 31 projects on the go across multiple sites in California. The facility will host both live action and cartoon production and will allow its creative teams to work together for the first time. Oh, that's exciting. It is. And, you know, Nickelodeon's doing some really cool stuff here. They also want the new studios to serve as something of a central hub for the entire animation industry. The space is going to be designed around the creative people who work there, kind of like an artist retreat. It'll have lecture space, a music room, and a central courtyard all designed to inspire creativity and collaboration. You know, that kind of sounds like um, other creative workspaces. I mean, ours is is very similar to that. Uh, I don't want to stray too far from the topic, but of course, everyone looks at companies like Google and they look at Voices.com, they look at Facebook for the culture and what they're trying to do for their people. So I think this will only benefit Nickelodeon and it will help to spur on more creativity. I think it absolutely will. And, you know, Apple's also making news in this space. They're building a new headquarters. They're calling it the Spaceship Campus and it's designed with that intent in mind. Get your people together, get them to collaborate, get them to go out into the big space outside uh, and do business in different ways and come up with solutions that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do in a traditional cubicle-based environment. And if you are a creative company like Nickelodeon, that space will influence that and will ultimately result in better projects. Well, continuing on the whole thread of something new, right? There's also a new name. Is that not so? So from Nickelodeon Animation Studios to Nickelodeon Studios. Carmi, how is this good news for the animation community? It's huge news for the animation community because the more you can consolidate all of your resources under the same roof, then the easier it becomes to both green light and move projects that require voice forward. And so if you're a voice actor, voice professional, or even just a company that is in involved in the space, uh, suddenly the number of projects that are going to be going forward from Nickelodeon is going to go up. Uh, Instead of everything being scattered all over the place, not really connected, not really taking advantage of each other's strength, of all of the resources available to them, when you put them all in the same space, good things happen, it grows the industry, and that's good news for all of us. Coming up next in Tech Talk, you can now order your very own Apple Watch. Why is this so important for voice? You'll find out. Tech Talk, walking you through the technological landscape. Everyone's talking about the Apple Watch. 
And for good reason. It's probably the biggest product release of the year, if not in years. We've been waiting for it since Apple first gave us a sneak peek last September. But now, we can actually order one for ourselves, or walk into a store and try one on for size. Oh, you know where I'm headed this weekend, Stephanie. Just make sure you don't buy the $10,000 one, Carmi. Okay, I won't. I'll keep my wallet in my pocket. But seriously, what's really got me interested isn't the gold version or the dozens of different watch bands and accessories. It's the apps. And that's where things get really exciting for voice professionals. Well, why don't you tell us a little more about that? Well, over the last week or so, Apple has released details on some of the thousands of apps that are now available for the Apple Watch in the new Apple Watch store. Uh, and so, for example, Evernote lets you dictate your notes. Twitter lets you talk your tweets to it and then have those responses read back to you. And the deeper voice integration becomes into this device, because let's face it, the screen is just too small small to interact with in the same way that you would say on your iPhone or your iPad or your larger screen device. Voice needs to take over from that and that opens up more opportunities for creative uses within apps for the human voice, which from where I sit means more projects for all of us. And that's a good thing. It always is a good thing. This isn't just a, a new device. This is an entirely new platform. And so even though Apple's been getting a bit of criticism for not really explaining what the Apple Watch is capable of, let's look back a few years to when the iPhone was released in 2007. We didn't really know what it was capable of until all of those great apps became available and suddenly showed us what this phone could do. Well, the same thing's going to happen with the Apple Watch. And as a, as a device that is driven by voice, it's up to the industry now, up to developers, to create creative new applications for voice apps, for voice services. And what this does is it means more work for all of us because we're, you know, voice professionals are going to have to record their voice. They're going to work directly with the software industry to create new kinds of services that we can't even begin to imagine now. Well, we've seen it before, Carmi. Like anytime there's a new technology, it will open up doors for new forms of work. So um, for those of you who remember back in the day when there were Betamaxes and then all of a sudden there was the DVD player and now Blu-ray. And, and of course, everything from streaming video to Netflix to, to whatever it happens to be, you know, there's always going to be more work and more doors that open up for people because of technology. And we're going to keep our eye on it, that's for sure. That's it for this week's Tech Talk. Coming up next, VoxBox, a closer look at your voice's natural comfort zone and what that means to your voice career. VoxBox, sharing your audio feedback. I'll have to admit, Stephanie, I don't really know what kind of voice I have. Well, Carmi, everyone's voice has a natural vocal comfort zone. Uh, in Italian, this word is tessitura. So uh, as you might know, there are different kinds of singing voices. And most of us who maybe grew up in a choral environment are familiar with soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. Uh, but, you know, there are little ranges in between all of these. And um, basically, wherever your voice sits best, wherever you feel that it is most resonant and, and it really sounds amazing, that's the range that you want to be doing most of your work in. So I guess staying within your comfort zone is probably a good thing, right? Totally. Like it's being like an athlete, right? So you would perform best when you're in your zone and the range of your voice where you really shine is ultimately where that zone is. 
So what happens when you go outside of that zone? I mean, athletes are always talking about pushing the envelope. If you're a vocal athlete, so to speak, does the same kind of logic apply? This is where it gets interesting, right? <laughs> I <laughs> so, like interesting. I know, yeah. Um, so if you are a professional voice user, you're going to want to make sure that you are using your instrument in the way it was intended to be used. And mm -hmm. I think that's fair to say uh, if you're a runner, if you're someone who does you know, team sports, whatever it is that you're doing, a piano player even, you're going to want to make sure that you're using using your instrument, be it your entire body or, or parts of, of it, like say your fingers as a, a pianist, um, to, to not strain yourself, mm -hmm. okay? So like if you can think back to a long time ago, I think it was one of the composers ages and ages ago, Robert Schumann, actually he was um, an amazing piano player. He married a piano player like Clara, his wife. They're a very musical family. But something that Robert did was he wanted to stretch his fingers like he wanted to make them go further than they could. So he would like put splints on that like little tool. He made this tool Ooh, that sounds and painful. ultimately this tool crippled him. OK, so what we want to make sure that we do is we don't end up unable to use our instruments. And so in that regard, we need to be able to just know where the boundaries are because creativity happens within boundaries. But we also don't want to abuse the instrument, right? So I use Schumann as an example. Uh, I love his music, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But, you know, there was a point in his career where he just could not play the way that he used to be able to play. So we don't want to see that happen to anybody especially not with their voice. Uh, and if anyone here recalls uh, the great Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, then you know that they kind of exercised ranges of their voices that were not exactly their comfort zones. So um, in vogue back then, it was to sound... Uh, much lower than you actually, you know, were. So yeah, in radio... voice of God. Yeah, like you see this all the time where people will lower their voice because they think it gives them some authority or something, right? And so as you can see from that very, very poor, poor performance, um, obviously that's not where my voice sits and it's not where I'm most able to showcase those gifts that I, I have with my voice. Um, so really what you want to be thinking of is sing in the right places. Otherwise, you could actually, just like Schumann, you could do something to your instrument. And in this case, um, you know, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall have, um, you know, they have a vocal disorder name for them. Um, there's another official name for it, and that would be muscle tension dysphonia. But it's also called the Bogart-Bacall syndrome. Right. So you have to take that into account is that when you are speaking and using your voice and your instrument, maybe you're singing that you have to take care of it. But you've also got to respect the ranges and the boundaries in which your voice has been placed. Probably not a bad thing if you're not sure sort of where your voice lies along that range. This probably would be something great to discuss with a coach. Coaching certainly helps in this area. Of course, you want to be working with a vocal coach that understands your instrument, not just, you know, how to read copy, how to, you know, break it down and do the acting side. You want to be working with someone who understands your vocal apparatus, the entire instrument. So um, this may require that you have a team around you. Maybe a vocal coach, a singing coach in particular, would be very good at, at helping you to identify identify these sort of things. But a speech language pathologist might also be someone that you'd look into. And of course, around a voice artist of any kind, you will have a team of professionals like an ENT, an ear, nose, throat doctor, um, maybe your family doctor, and, and possibly other people that, that might be involved in the process. So just remember that your instrument does have its boundaries and its limits, and it will have places where it shines. Like just last week or a couple of weeks ago, when I was in New York, I happened to see an opera. And I think that this 
illustrates the point quite beautifully. The singer that I saw, um, it was Placido Domingo. And of course, he's one of the three tenors. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, when I saw that, oh my goodness, there's an opportunity to go and see him. Obviously, I'd grown up kind of listening to him and um, Pavarotti and uh, Carreras as well. But, you know, just to see him in person was an amazing thing. Um, he's in Ernani. He plays Silva. Silva is a baritone role. And Domingo, his whole career has been a tenor. Yeah, so like the three tenors, right? Like you come to expect. Um, and so what I noticed as I was watching, and clearly, you know, he's an amazing performer, um, really loved what he does, but I could hear as a fellow singer, I knew where his voice was most resonant and also where he was maybe having to to kind of push it a little more to get to certain notes or, or whatnot. So um, when, but when he got up to those high notes, I mean, that was like the pinnacle, He was right? in his element there. He was, and exactly. And so you may find that in your repertory or in the scripts that you're reading or the characters that you do, you will have moments where you do go outside of that tessitura, that comfort zone, that place where you uh, sound most uh, optimal, I suppose. Uh, but don't always live in those places because it doesn't showcase your instrument well. It also may hurt you, frankly. Like, it might hurt to do that. Um, many of you know not to audition for roles or to use a character voice that hurts your, your instrument because what if you book a series and it's like, you know, it goes for three, four, five, 10 seasons possibly and you've got to use that same voice that was uncomfortable to produce in the first place be it range wise or just the way that you made it you know how it shaped it in the placement of the voice possibly or the stress and the tension that it may cause on on your your voice your vocal apparatus um so you always have to be aware of what is a good idea vocally and what might not be a good idea vocally because if you stay within the realm of what is uh, comfortable, you'll be doing well. Um, but don't be afraid here and there to kind of go a little higher in your voice or maybe try a little bit of a lower range. Uh, just realize that there is a happy medium and that's where your voice sits. It's called your tessitura. That's really great advice, Stephanie. Thank you. So that brings us to the question, do you know where your voice sits? There's some great conversation happening on uh, Facebook. I believe in the voice acting hub, there's a bit of one there. Uh, my own Facebook page has quite the, the wonderful conversation. People are identifying what their ranges are. Some people even being very technical about it. You know, I'm a soprano, I can sing um, the E flat below middle C, you know, with uh, the same kind of power that I have in my upper voice. So, you know, you can get as detailed or just as general or vague as you'd like so far as your range but we would love to hear from you and how you've kind of used your range to your advantage and also preserved it so you can continue working today that's all great stuff stephanie well that's our show for this week thank you for tuning into vox talk i'm carmi levy and i'm stephanie cicerelli don't forget to keep in touch with us on twitter just use the hashtag vox talk we're already looking forward to next week's episode see you then